check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Barry Moore. My next guest is an anti-bullying advocate and the author of two books, Finding Your True North, A Bullied Teen's Journey of Hope, and The Nowhere Man. He's also host of a re- weekly radio show on w4wn.com called Life Without Limits. He's always looking to speak to new and interesting guests, so if you wish to be on his show, be sure to check out uh, our show notes for details. Without further ado, coming up next, this is Thomas Russell. great background <laughs> oh it's 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 a can background yeah yeah no i can yeah see the everyone does that yeah, yeah. so how, how did you decide that you wanted to become an author like it's a pretty big leap from reading books to writing books well it's not the matter of wanting to become an author i've always wanted to be an author you just don't say open up one day open your life one day hey i'm gonna write a book it doesn't always work out that way um mine was a journey of giving up on being a writer. Uh, I don't know how far back you want to go, but basically I, I, I've written things since I was in fourth grade. Okay. And my teacher, my teacher encouraged me a lot. In fact, I wrote a, wrote this little story on the, called the computer that wore tennis shoes. I'm not sure how old you are, but, uh, back in the sixties, Kurt Russell did a movie called computer wore tennis shoes. Well, I just kind of stole that idea. Nice. And, and and I made my own story, and I couldn't even begin to even tell you what it was about. I don't remember. But I made this little uh, little booklet with the, the story in there, and the teacher just uh, just went nuts over it. And she shared it with the class, and and that just kind of got me to the point where I wanted to uh, – I, I thought there was something special about me in that sense uh, because I didn't feel good about myself physically okay. uh, uh, because I just didn't – uh, I was really short and everything, and, and uh, I used to get ridiculed in school, uh, starting in elementary school, and not to the point where I was traumatized, but, um, you know, it just, whenever said, anybody said any negative to me, they, they, they got my goat and everything, and so I, consequently, I just, my anger just surfaced. I used to be such an angry kid. I, I put uh, my fist through the front window, door window, oh, and wow. the back back door window, and I'd always say I quit. And I ne- I didn't know what I was quitting. I just said I quit. And and one day we went on vacation, and I got mad at my mom, and I said, uh, um, I said I quit. And she says, so what are you quitting? She says, being your son. Oh wow. And. And instead of my mother and brothers who were there saying that was the wrong thing to say, they all laughed at me. So I ran into the, the bedroom and I just pouted and everything. Yeah. And, and it was like they, they got to the point where they just decided they weren't going to deal with that anymore. So that my anger was just – it just got so much, my impatience. and Because I always felt that I was being denigrated. Were, um, was your anger so much that you were difficult to be around? Like did you no, kind of create your own prison or – no, actually, it was really a bit. Di- it was more internal than then. Okay. Uh, what what I, I was, I, most anybody who knew me back then, I had a heart of gold. Yeah. But it, I never lashed out at other people other than my family. But I love man, I love my family. I really love my family, and I, so there wasn't really an issue with a uh, a dysfunctional family at all. Then uh, I had four other brothers. And I was youngest of uh, youngest of five. I have a, I have a twin brother, 
and but we we weren't the kind of we we did the family battles and everything but i i um uh i just had this inferiority complex about myself inside myself yeah that's a hard thing to but but here's the thing but outwardly uh, I exuded the confidence, if that makes any sense. It was like a, it was like a, well, I, I, don't know, I guess I've heard, I've had guests on my radio show that about imposter syndrome because you wear different masks. My mask was basically on the outward. I was, I was confident, but in the inside, I, I just, I just didn't have it in sixth grade. I uh, won the citizenship award, the very inaugural citizenship award in, in elementary school. But the thing is, I felt I didn't deserve it because I felt someone else deserved it. I always felt someone else was better than me. I never conveyed that. I never showed that to other people because I, I showed people I had an air of confidence. Now, when you're in sixth grade, you don't have that. You don't have that feeling that you you can really stand out in a crowd. Some some kids did. I never did, but people knew I was intelligent. Kids knew I was intelligent. So I guess I that's why I won the award. So I guess going back to the, the writing thing is is I, I uh, my teachers recognized my writing ability. And as I got older, I wanted to just start writing things. You know, I used to write little little song ditties and and then just start uh, continue writing little things, not for not to be published. I just felt it was, and I always wanted to get. I guess that was one way for 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 me to get some recognition for people yeah. say, hey, I never thought I would be in a writing career until I got to to high school and I was on the school newspaper. I was a sports editor. I love sports. I just love sports. And so I, when I was my senior in high school, I told everybody this. I want to be a writer for, a writer for the, the Sports Illustrated. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Never once did I believe I was going to achieve that. And I just decided to myself that I was going to show other people that I'm going to continue a journalism career, but never, never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever even pursue that. Just didn't have that. I didn't cross that barrier of wanting to to uh, actually become a writer. It was it was a fake dream. Okay. It wasn't a dream. A lot of people have these dreams of what they want to do, but it's not it's not powerful enough. I understand. Uh, and yeah. So when I tell other people that's what I wanted to do, that's not really uh, something that I felt that it was going to be a career goal that I was going to do. And so. And I was I was popular with all the kids in school because you know they always want to be profiled in the sports, yeah. Uh, yeah. and so that 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 pumped me up a little bit. Uh, but I got I get to Purdue. I went to Purdue um, University of Purdue. I, I fully intended to have a journalism degree. I had to pay for it myself. My mother, uh, God bless her, she couldn't afford anything because she was a single mother, and so I had to work for that first year. And throughout the school year, uh, I just, after my uh, first semester, I just totally gave up on myself because I gave up my dream. I told myself that what's the point? I'm never going to achieve what I really want to do. And so consequently, I worked towards uh, telling myself that by the end of the year that I'm not going to go back. And here's the reason why I told people. I said, uh, I can't go back because I have to pay for it myself. Uh, and my mom can't pay for it, so I don't. I can't afford going back, even though I got a scholarship and some grant. And, but um, but ultimately, what it was is I gave up on my dreams because I felt like this is where it all started when I was like early on in my life. When I went to to college, I had this mindset of this. A lot of people have a fear of failure. Yeah, I have never had a fear of failure ever. 
I had a fear of success. I always had this fear that what would actually happen if something actually worked out for me, where I decided that I was going to cross that barrier, cross that wall, climb that wall and say, hey, dude, you can do this. And 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 uh, I just didn't I just didn't get to, to that point. I was afraid of of being successful. And you know, a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, but that's how, that's where my life was at that time. So uh, I gave up on anything about writing a career, a writing career. And then I went, went into restaurant management uh, because that's I knew that pretty well. That was my fallback, basically, yeah. restaurant management. And after five years of doing that, uh, I got contacted by my best friend. He worked at a magazine. It was a national magazine in the area. And he called me up and said, uh, hey, the, the publisher wants to know if you might, might want to write some freelance articles uh, for him. I said, sure. And it was an RV magazine. It was a national RV magazine. I didn't know anything about RVs yeah. <laughs> uh, at all. But, again, I, I faked it till I made it, right? Yep. And, and so I learned as much as I could, and I ended up interviewing RV dealers to profile RV dealers about their story, about their success of their, their RV dealership. So I did three articles. The, the publisher liked it. And then he calls me up one day and says, hey, would you like to come in for an interview to, be, uh, to become the editor of uh, our magazine? Yeah. And I was scared to death because I, I had that, that thing in my head again, that mindset. No, 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 this, this is too big for me. There's no way that I deserve this. But I, I did it anyway. So I, I interviewed, and then he, he brought me on. And and uh, throughout the entire six years I was there, I felt I was I was an imposter, and not to no fault of them because they were great. I had great friends there and a great working relationship with them, but I didn't feel that I was uh, I deserved that position. It was a lofty position, um, but after six years. <laughs> the RV industry back in 1991 um, went into recession. Yeah. So consequently, so consequently, our business uh, was strictly uh, advertising, interview generated. I was going to interview revenue generated, and so uh, the, it's it, it dried up basically. Yeah. We weren't really doing it, and we couldn't afford. It. So I ended up working three days a week uh, for three months. And I worked a part-time job just to, to get make more money. Yeah. And I, I got and then uh, my one of my best friends, she was the graphic designer. She told me that uh, the publisher was going to come up and say he, he's going to have to lay me off. Oh, geez. So, but I I, I knew it was coming. And it was all right, and I was prepared for it. And so I I went to him and said, hey, I think it's the partnering of the ways going to be beneficial for for the both of us. And uh, he understood, and it was I mean, it was an amicable uh, uh, split. But he asked me to be the uh, write freelance articles, so I did that for a year with him. But then I got into back into restaurant management, and that's where I became comfortable. I totally gave up my my dreams. I mean, I did freelance articles for magazines and and some newspapers. I worked wrote, was in the sports department for a local newspaper, but. I didn't make a career out of it. So I was uh, in my, it's like 30, 31 years old. 
And from then until uh, a couple decades later, I did management positions over and over again. Yeah. And I just I just gave up. And what happened in 2006? Did you not find any any joy at all, like in in hospitality and restaurants? Well, I I did because I was really good at it. Yeah. <clears throat> I was really good at it because my mindset is this: when when you ever have a job, you take personal ownership of of where whatever position it is. It's your business. It's not you're working for someone. It's your business. Yeah. And consequently, I did well in in that uh, in that kind of occupation. Uh, but I wasn't fulfilled inside because okay. I knew something. I knew something was inside me, but I didn't. Again, I didn't believe in myself. That's a big deal. It is. And then when we uh, went to uh, in 2006, I uh, was at working at a uh, convenience store as a manager, and and we started. Uh, we got contacted by an organization called Five Star Life. They wanted us to sell these stars, dollar stars and five stars for uh, for uh, fundraising for the organization. And I was the lowest volume of the six stores. And I told myself, I'm very competitive. I said, I'm going to beat everybody else. So that's what I did. I mean, I had stars. <laughs> I had stars all over the store. That's you awesome. Know? And we, we just kicked, we kicked butt. And, and, uh, then I started thinking, well, I want to know more about five stars. So I went to some of the one of the. It's it's hard to explain until you actually uh, see an event. We, it's an after school program for two hours. Uh, we go into schools, and uh, um, uh, we teach these kids that they're worthy, that they're champions. We change their mindset uh, of that they can achieve whatever they want, and it's a powerful program. We know that the, uh, they have so much potential, but a lot of kids, this is middle school kids, yeah. okay? Yeah, when you're in middle school, forget it. You don't have any identity at all. No, Most you're lost. kids don't. Yeah. <laughs> you're lost. So that's what we're there to help, help uh, take them to the next level. And uh, we teach these kids, and you'll recognize this, uh, in the book, I, I, uh, we teach these kids these five core values of sacrifice, integrity, respect, responsibility, and courage. Yep. Which is in the book. Yeah. And we also ta- taught these kids that uh, you need to find something that you really want to do. You need to find a dream, guys. You need That's what you need to do. Find something you really want to do with your life. And as a middle school kid, I want to be a professional athlete. Uh, I want to be something that is so out far out there. It's not. It's not. It's not concrete. It's not something they can really put their teeth into. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, a lot of kids don't. Some kids are very precise what they want to do, but for the most part, part they don't. But the, the thing is, we wanted to plant a dream in their in their in their minds. But after a few years of me telling these kids this with five star. I started thinking, man, you are such a hypocrite. You are such a hypocrite because you're telling these kids, God, you got to do this. You got it. You got it. Just go for the gusto. Do whatever you want because I know you can do this. And I and I didn't believe it in myself. And 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 finally, when I turned 52, just about ready to turn 52, I said, you know what? This is it. You know, I always had this in the back of my mind and wanted to write a book, but I never. I never pushed myself to, to say, I'm going to finish something, I'm going to start something, and I'm actually going to finish it. And so in January of 2014, to January 2nd, 2014, I embarked on writing the, this book. And I wanted to write this book about these five core values. Yeah. And I wrapped a, uh, a 14-year-old boy who was, uh, his name is Charlie. Uh, he was bullied relentlessly in school. 
and he wanted to try to live a life where he felt like he was something, but it's, it, it didn't happen in school. He went home to a dysfunctional family and alcoholic father, so he was beat down there, so he was up against it. He just couldn't figure it out. And uh, so he decides to run away. I won't go over the entire book. Uh, hopefully you guys who are listening would want to read it, and I'll tell you later what it is. But um, he, go, he goes to a town where he learns about these five core values from different characters in the book. He makes mistakes along the way as it relates to these five core values where he starts to understand. And when you start learning these five core values of sacrifice, integrity, respect, responsibility, and courage, man, that just infuses so much confidence in you. Um, that So when you get in a position where you can handle yourself and in, in, in front of someone who presses you, you have the ammunition, uh, for lack of a better word, to deal with it when, when you talk to other kids. Say, hey, I'm worthy. You're not going to beat me down. Yeah, here's a and, big moment. Since we get to read what's on his mind, uh, yeah. you can tell that that's where he drew his strength from. And the other yeah. person responded because basically bullies are weak. Everybody seems to be, at that age anyway, projecting their opposite into public. Uh, they're never really sharing their true self. Uh, it was nice to see Charlie stand up for himself. Well, I don't want to give away too much, right? Like, well, that's but, okay. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, book is, the, the book is called Finding Your True North, A Bully Teen's Journey of Hope. Yeah. And as I said in the book, and as what we teach these kids in, in, uh, in the five-star life, and also it's a universal message for everyone, is finding true north is basically this. Uh, you have a dream, right, Barrymore? You yep. have this dream of what you really want to do with your life. You got it. But I can almost guarantee you just about everybody is as soon as you make that decision, uh, there's going to be obstacles that come your way, mm -hmm. right? So a lot, of what, a lot of what happens, and, and uh, this is where I avoided my path of giving up myself, a lot of what happens is people uh, go on a different path and they follow that obstacle thinking that's where they really want to go to get to the, their uh, end dream. But uh, they get stuck right there, and then they start accepting that. They start accepting, well, I'm here, therefore I can't get my dream. Yeah. And, and, and so they, they, they talk themselves into that, and then, then something happens in their life Either they stay there or they say, no, nope, I'm pulling back. I'm going to come back down this path, and I'm going to start going up that tree, that up, up that mountain, and so this is where my dream is going to be. And then uh, sometimes another path will, will come across. There's another obstacle. But each time you get these obstacles, uh, you're coming that much closer to your dream. Yeah. And, and that's where I was because I said, I, I, said I, I, I know as soon as I make this decision, I'm going to write this book, something else is going to come up. For sure there but will be. This, but, but this time, this time I'm not giving up. I set a goal. I said, this is my time when I'm, this is my deadline when I'm going to get this done. I said in January, I want it done by uh, April 30th. Oh, wow. I got it done. I got it done a month early. I got it done three months. That's insane. Uh, it is because other, before that, I would have said, you know, um, it's just not going to happen because, because I didn't, I, I, the thing is when you, when you write a book, there's several different reasons why. Um, if you want to write a book, you have to find out your why. If you don't know what your why is, you're not really going to go that next level because mm -hmm. it's it just sits there. That that idea just sits there, and you think, well, who's really going to want to read this? This is my take. A lot of people have different takes. You write the book for you. You don't write it for anybody else. And when you when you do that, um, you can show your true emotion when you write a book uh, because that's you. That's your authentic authenticity right there because that's who you are. Uh, it's not you writing for someone else, trying to impress someone else. You write it for who you are and what you what you believe in. And this book is what I really believed in, man. It was just, uh, it was such an intense uh, writing 
cycle for me in those three months because I I was a transport driver then, and I would take my laptop with me, and I would ride on the road, not when I'm driving, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when I stop I, and I come back or I go to the, the hotel room, I would write. I come back on the Amtrak, uh, I would write, uh, or a bus, I would, I would write. I would just continue writing. And I was learning the, the writing process again after not writing for years. And so I, I ended up uh, looking to try and get published. Didn't know I had a clue. I don't know if you ever pu- uh, tried to publish a book. No. But uh, um, when you try to self-publish, you either – well, I mean, try to self-publish, you have to uh, either uh, go through um, like a what they call a vanity publisher, hybrid publisher, where they will do it. Um, they would do all the uh, all the necessary stuff in the background, you know, editing and and the cover art and and <laughs> excuse me and uh, and and actually uh, produce the book. Yep. Uh, but at a cost, you got to pay them to do that. For sure, nothing's free. No, it's nothing's free. And I, you know, there are some people who wanted three or four thousand to five thousand dollars and said nuts to that. I'm not going to do that. How many how many books do you have to sell just to break even? Yeah. Because my books cost a certain amount of money, and and uh, I put numbers to it. It says I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. But I did connect with a, a vanity publisher. I don't I don't I like to call him a vanity publisher because like Eddie Smith, uh, Eddie Smith uh, is an incredible individual. Uh, he's a Christian man, and he's uh, he owns Worldwide Publishing Group down in Houston, Texas, and he uh, he he started me from he was a publisher. Not a not a, uh, a publishing consultant. He was an actual publisher, yep. and so I we connected. I mean, we had this <coughs> we had this idea. He, he walked me through what I needed to do, and we we did it. And so we ended up doing um, uh, all the necessary thing. He helped me edit the book and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, uh, we got the book published on August fourteenth. Nice of of uh, of the same year. And I didn't I didn't have any clue. I didn't know what to do. And, but he did say this at the, at the beginning. He says, look, you know, I can go take you so far, but it's, the onus is on you. You're going to have to market this book. I can help you. I mean, I, my book is on uh, um, 110,000 websites. Oh, wow. Finding True North. But, but we both agreed, and he told me this, and I agreed. He says, unless someone's looking for it in Switzerland, they're not going to know it's there. Yeah. So your 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 idea as a self-published author, you have to get out there and, and market Hustle. the book. And if you if you remember what I've just told my own entire story, I did not believe in myself. But when doggone it, uh, Barrymore, when I reached that age fifty-two, my life changed. Yeah, everything changed in my life because I said, "Enough is enough. You're going to do this, and you're going to do it well, and you're going to be persistent, and you're not going to give up." And and I, that's just changed everything in my life. That's a wicked perspective. It is, man, because it's just a powerful thing when you know, man, when when you know that you're going somewhere in your life, it just it creates uh, an energy that I, I never thought I ever had. Yeah. So so what I did was, you know, I got on social media and I said, hey, here's my book, blah blah blah. You want my book? You can connect with me. And so I sold a bunch of books that way. And I would always, when I when I signed my books, I <clears throat> I signed them with inspirational message oh nice inspirational i don't say have a nice day i write something the entire page like the flower pots as as, as it relates <laughs> yeah <laughs> as, as it relates to them you know yeah. um 
And so but it's that's just who I am because I'm always I always um, trying to encourage people. And so what I did was I ended up uh, um, I went to uh, the local newspaper and I handed them my book and said, "Hey, would the, the uh, writer like me interested in in uh, pr- profiling me in the newspaper?" And I gave them the book and two weeks later they called me up. We did an interview and they did an article. Nice. The old me said, "Uh, you know." Uh, uh, nothing's going to happen. And here's the thing about promoting yourself is never, ever, ever worry about a no. Yeah, no, because no. What, because they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the opportunity. And you have there's a fine line because nobody wants rejection. But I didn't care because I, the, the, every no that I got, man, I was that much closer to what I wanted to do. Yeah, and the- and it was like uh, it was like uh, uh, the the worst no you're ever going to get is the one you don't ask. Yep. And so that's what I did. So, and that worked. I got a lot of press. And then I said, well, let's go to the next paper. So I did the same thing. I walked in and they say, well, wait a minute. We have a reporter here. Let's do, let's do an, uh, an interview. Okay. So I did another interview. It was in the newspaper. Did the same thing in the, the, another local newspaper. Same yep. exact thing. Um, because I never, I never even thought about what was going to happen as a result. Because if I didn't do it, it'd never get done. Yeah. And, and, and. Uh, there's there's a, there's a fine line of the reason why you want to do this, because your job, my job right now, and, and the other job I have to do is you have to get out there and prove yourself every single day. Uh, and some of it's not for accolades. So then if you're working a normal job, it's 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 just it's just a job, and you're trying to impress your boss. Yeah. Well, in this case, when you're a writer, you have to put yourself out there on a constant, consistent basis. So that's what I did, and I walk into Barnes and Noble with the book, and I say, "Hey, I've got a book on bullying. Would you be interested in carrying it?" And and I said, I, and "Then I said, oh, by the way, the, the local newspaper is going to be doing a, an article on me." And he goes, "Oh, really?" And he said, "Well, wait a minute. Let's order twenty books, and we'll put them in here. And then, oh, by the way, can um, can you come in in uh, uh, October, which is anti-bullying month, uh, and uh, come do a book signing?" That's awesome. And I said. Uh, well, sure. I, I obviously I said uh, sure, and so I did the book signing, and then he asked me to come back uh, in April to do another book signing, and then the following October, he asked me to come back again. There you go. Um, so it's like three in three uh, in in one year. I had I had three book signings at Barnes and Noble, and then I I I've done twenty six book signings everywhere else because i i just say i want to i want to go out there and it's various different you know uh conventions and and uh, bazaars and all this sort of stuff and sometimes i didn't sell one diddly squat book nothing um but i had an author how's that friend feel of mine. like uh, well well i i felt uh, uh, disappointed obviously yeah but i then the one what i had a really good author friend of mine who said this and said look um, you are the minority of the, all those people who wanted to write a book but never did it. That's right. And so you've accomplished more than um, uh, the vast majority of people will ever do, not through any fault of their own. It's just you've you've reached that pinnacle in your life. You've been able to do that. Yeah, it's the hard stuff. And man. and and so then the other thing is, is you don't go there to for book signings. You go there to network. And so once once I changed that mindset. Uh, it, it opened up other opportunities to do other things with other people. And what happened was as a result of that book, 
I was able to go into schools and churches and organizations to speak about, you know, bullying and and uh, empowerment and positive reinforcement. Now, everything that I, I, that's in within myself, I wanted to impart on, on these kids and actually adults, too. So that opened up another avenue for me <coughs> to get out my message. And, <clears throat> and I can tell you, I get real emotional. I can't tell you that there's been any event that I've gone to that I haven't cried. That's amazing. Be- because because when I get in there and I start talking to these kids, I just I can see it in their eyes. I can see some some of the pain in these kids' eyes. And and uh, and I think it's it's real important that I that I do this. And I've had the the story that really resonates with me is something that I always uh, was always wondering about. There's a girl in sixth grade, uh, I won't tell her name, but she was kind of the uh, black sheep of the sixth grade. Yeah. And, you know, she had these uh, uh, Coke bottle glasses. She had these flower print dresses. Um, she was a bigger girl, um, but she constantly got bullied. Just con- I never did it to her because it just wasn't in my nature, but she did. It was constant. And, and we had this game where we played this. I can't believe this teacher did this, but it was a, with a toothpick and a lifesaver, and we had to pass along the lifesaver uh, to the next person in line. Yeah. And as a sixth grader, as a sixth grade boy, are you kidding me? To, to a girl? I had to do this to a girl? Yeah. And we were like a, a couple inches apart. And thing, it was her. It was this girl that, who I had to pass along to. And there what, what happened was uh, we were doing this. Uh, we were so close together, and she had this snicker on her face. And she had this, uh, I hate to say this, little body odor to her. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Sixth grade, that's what it's like, man. Sixth grade. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, she she, uh, she was snickering and things like this, and everybody else was laughing. And in my mind, I was thinking, they're laughing at me because I got chosen to be her partner. Yeah. I, I was humiliated. Uh, and and I thought about that, and and I thought, well, you know, that to years and years later, this is decades ago. I mean, yeah. we're talking 50, 50 some odd years ago. I remembered everything about this. And and it didn't uh, it didn't didn't connect with me at all because I never did see her after that because she went somewhere else. I didn't know what happened to her. Forty years later, this is the reason why I'm bringing up this the story is forty years later I met up with her again, and I knew her name yeah. and I knew what she looked like. She she had lost weight, but she had, she had the same Coke bottle glasses. And I and I said, <clears throat> I know you're not going to remember this, but this is what happened. And she goes, I don't, I really don't remember that. I apologize. I says, well, I didn't, I need to apologize to you because how I felt about you at the time. And she goes, uh, I understand. After, after I told her, and I said, uh, so it's been years and years, decades. Have you been ever, ever able to get over this? And she goes, never. I've never gotten over this. I've never been able to keep a job. I never keep a relationship. I'm, I'm disabled. Um, I carried this and said, well, I go, well, what happened after sixth grade? Because I didn't see you. And she said, one day it was, uh, I was in recess and I got bullied and I ran home. My mom, she just lived down the street. And she told her mom, I'm not going back to school. And her mom says, uh, yes, you are. And she, her, and she said, no, I'm not. So her mom put her in a room, locked her in her door. And she told me that she, her mom locked her in the door eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. Holy shit. Yeah. And I would just, I was, flabbergasted I just, tears started coming down my eyes and she said that uh, I asked her so what happens well you know what why did this all happen because my mom connected with 11 different boyfriends and every time she had a different boyfriend we had to move and I had to go to 11 different schools and each school I got bullied yeah 
And so I was torn down all the time. And this is this is this was my this is how I define myself. I never had um, I never had any kind of uh, self worth around me at all. People kept beating me down. This is decades of this happening. And and I, when I tell this story to kids and even to adults, is this is look, you don't know what people are going through. No, no, you don't no. have a clue what people are going through. So when even when you see someone like her. Can you imagine if I would have come back to her with a, a, a message of encouragement or a message of kindness and treated her with respect? Um, that may have helped her that particular moment uh, because there was actually somebody there who cared, somebody who, who wanted to uh, let them know they're worthy. Yeah. And that's the point is, is there are so many people out there who feel like nobody cares. And, and then when you have someone come in and – and say that uh, they've got they've got so much self worth that they they matter and all these different things you can say to someone with with conviction you don't say it just a um, uh, just a like a, you throw it out yeah, and, no, yeah. yeah. You, you do it for the right reasons you don't want to get for for uh, lottie get plaudits or anything like that but you say it with with uh, with authenticity and I, I learned that just after I wrote my book and I. I I realized, and I started doing this eight, year, eight years ago, uh, during the Lenten season. Uh, I connect with people with a text message or phone or whatever way I can connect with them, and I send them a message of encouragement, yep. uh, of saying saying how great they are, how special they are, uh, just whatever it is that's in my mind that I want to send to them, and I, I cater to what they're what they're going through. And ultimately, this is what happens. This is what happens, Barrymore, is almost to the person. They say, I don't know why you sent this to me today, but I needed to hear this because I'm going through a bunch of crap. That's pretty special. Uh, there, You don't realize why this today I need to hear this today. Yeah. And and uh, and it's just, uh, it's just a, a feeling of, uh, gratitude that I'm able to do this and I do it for the right reasons because I don't generally respond back. Sometimes I do, but um, I don't do it to, to uh, get a pat on the back or anything yeah, like that. I just do it because I care about people. And it's it's so important for me to show that kindness. I do it all, the, all through the year, but for 40 straight days, I, it's just a constant. It's just every single day that I do this. And now that I've got a, a whole more slew of friends, man, I got a lot. I got a lot of friends. I imagine family, family to do this, and and uh, it's such a, uh, oh, it's just, and it does uh, two things. One, it gives you, it gives that person the feeling that they're worthy, yeah. and it gives you more self confidence that you can take your eyes off yourself and on someone else. Just like I said in the book, you take your eyes off yourself, and you forget all the things that are going on in your life, and you don't focus on that, and you focus on someone else, you know. And I had one woman. I was helping her sister, or excuse me, her uh, daughter, who was being bullied. I sent her a nice message, and she said the same exact thing. I don't know why I sent this, but I need to hear this today. But I need to tell you, I tried to commit suicide. Oh wow! And 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 that just it just threw me back. And I realized, man, if I'm not I'm not saying that they would have stopped her. I'm not saying that anything I said would have changed anything in her life. But nope. that day, that day, she found out that someone actually cared about her. Yeah, it, well, it pushes her in the right direction. I'd like to think. Yeah, you yeah. Know. So, so going back, that's with the story with her is, is I wish I would have done that for her. I, I would have, I would have been friends with her. But when you're in sixth grade, 
you know, you don't think of those things. No, I'm sorry. No. You really don't think of those things. As you get older, you start learning these things, these, yeah. uh, these, uh, <clears throat> these signs of empathy that the, that's lacking even in today. It was still lacking 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, my mother, she was, uh, <clears throat> I don't know your mother, Barrymore, but my mother was a saint. She was the best mother ever 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 created in the face of the earth that's awesome and and so i i end i ended up uh following her path of empathy and 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 treating people kindly that's not nice. perfect i'm not perfect not even close no nope, no one is but 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 for the most part um you learn these things as you get older you know i'm 59 years old and i appreciate life more than i ever have that's great so I ended up writing a, a, a second book on homelessness. It's called Nowhere Man. Yeah, that's a crazy topic. Yeah, and it was the the idea here was uh, I, I I you pops was a homeless man in in Finding True, True North. Yeah, I'm not sure if I said the name of it. It's Finding True North: A Bullied Teen's Journey of Hope. Um, but uh, in the second book, it was uh, somebody who was an insurance executive who ends up uh, uh, getting hit on the head. He gets amnesia. He and he go. He uh, he loses all his identity. Doesn't have a clue where he is or what's going on with his life. Oh wow! And I, I depict what his life is as a homeless person. I've had connections with homeless people over the course of my life, and I wanted to let people know what it's like on the other side. Yeah. And and, uh, and uh, but he kept losing his memory each each day, um, because that's the way his his amnesia was at the time. Okay. Uh, that so he has he he has that dilemma. Okay. Um. So that I, I wrote that book in two and a half months. That's fast. Um, because I was I was that I was that committed, and then I decided to uh, uh, keep doing things. And then I did. I got contacted by an Australian author to be on a radio show, and I asked her about it uh, afterwards after we did the interview. And she asked, <clears throat> I asked her what would be like to get in my own show. And so I connected with a, a gentleman down in Florida. And uh, so I started my own show. And I, I originally said I wanted to start it on talking about bullying experiences, talk to guests, you know, Terrence shared their stories and how they overcame it. And then I realized that I need to expand my subject matter. Yeah. I need to talk. I need to talk about the whole world in general because it's not just about being oppressed, not about bullying. It's more about uh, people thrown into the fire of, of, of obstacles all the time. Everyone, everyone goes through it. Some are more pronounced than others. And trust me, with um, uh, the show I have is called Life Without Limits. On it's on w4wn.com. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you get? Uh, it's Women for Women uh, Network. It's, it, it's Women for New Women Network. Now he always has a bunch of different stations. Yeah. But he 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 figured my content would kind of fit into that category, and and it's not it's not just women who listen to the show. No, I there are a lot yeah. of men. There's there are a lot of men who listen to the show, and it's worldwide. So there's just a there's a hundreds of thousands. It's just of people a name. Listen to the show. Like it's, it's just, just a it's name. Just yeah. name. So, so that's why we say W4WN. We don't want to uh, uh, put labels on it. Yeah. But I talk, I've talked to so many people. A uh, uh, mother whose daughter was 12 years old uh, got bullied uh, and she committed suicide. I had a oh. uh, home, or uh, excuse me, a um, uh, gentleman who had uh, no arms, no legs, uh, Brett Eastman. And he uh, talked about his journey. Uh, that he thought he was he was no different than anybody else. In fact, he was the fourth highest rated wrestler in the nation in high school. That's amazing. 
uh, and he's a, he's a, he's a he's a stand-up comedian and think of think of the jokes from there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All uh, he talks are. about that. I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, but he uh, uh, and then I've had Rowdy Gaines. He was uh, um, um, the former three-time Olympic gold medalist in 1984 in swimming. I had him on my show. Uh, I've had Christopher Christopher Knight was on my show. Peter Brady. Uh, I mean, I've had so many people uh, all across the board with different uh, different issues and depression, suicide. Uh, uh, there's just so much on there, and and uh, but the 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 thing is, is it, people come out of the woodwork now, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they they come to me now, and they would like to be on my show because they've listened to it. Yeah. And it's not. Uh, What's really weird is if you can get inside your head, Barrymore, you know, if you start thinking that you're all that, uh-uh, that ain't, that's never going to happen with me. And I, I keep telling myself that it's because I go back to the insecurities that I had when I was younger. It's just, do I really deserve this? Uh, but it, I shoot it down. I shoot it down immediately and says, yes, this is because this is who I am. You, you this built is what this. I need to do. This is like, yeah. um, you know, all the new age people would be. Uh, talking about the energy you put out is what you get back. Like this is what you're receiving now is a reflection of of the energy you've put out. So people are drawn to you because you've basically opened that channel. Like, well, and, and well, it's it's well, it's it's. Uh, let's put it this way: I have to pay to to do this show. Okay. So I'm always I'm always looking for sponsors. So if anybody's yeah. listening, uh, I, I'd lo- I'd love to have people uh, uh, advertise, and I'll give you value to it because there's. There's something that's going on uh, additional to what I'm doing with the radio show that I don't want to get into just yet, but it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Um, but uh, And the exposure that any sponsor that it's getting is going to be so much bigger right now. Yeah. So, uh, And if anybody's interested, then then we can talk and you can get out information however we're going to do this. Yeah, but, but much like what we're doing here is I've done most of talking today. Yeah. Barrymore. That's exactly how I do my radio show is because – uh, I, it's a conversation. It's not just an interview question format because those are boring, you know, yeah. and I've heard my share of podcasts where it says, Oh, I have another question. It doesn't relate to what we're talking about. It's the next question on the list. Yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. And, and it's always a conversation of you say this, I'm going to follow up with what we're talking about. And we may not get to all the questions, but it really doesn't matter because oh. it's your form. And I always say, I always tell my guests, this is your show. It's not my show. Yeah. It's, it's your, it's your story. It's not my story. So I don't, I don't try to integrate. I don't try to push myself in there unless I have to keep the show moving along. Oh yeah. Um, but, but it's in a way where I don't intrude on them. I don't, I try not to interrupt them yeah. and, and I just go with it. And um, at the end of the, the all of my shows, I just get uh, I get this look on these pe- people's faces. Wow, I can't believe I said those things. I never told this to people. Yeah. Wow, it's almost like Oprah Winfrey or Barbara Walters. You know, they they get so much information from someone where they didn't think that they they were going to be able to feel comfortable telling. Yep. And uh, I do it in such a way where I don't feel like I'm uh, um, trying to intrude in their lives. Like I want them to say, it's not I gotcha moment. I don't want to say that. I don't want to do that to people. Um, no, more like a natural reveal versus it, a gotcha. Yeah, it is because it's. I mean, it it doesn't resonate with the, my listeners and it doesn't resonate with me or my what I want to do with the show. But uh, I I have become fast friends with just about every single 
person uh, on this on this show, and uh, best friends, because it's just it's it's a feeling like uh, you you know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in your life. I want to be there for you. Yeah. And I constantly send messages to these people, words of encouragement, constantly. That's awesome. Uh, because uh, because they're doing something uh, that is is so important for other people's lives. I mean, because we have people ask questions during the show. Uh, unfortunately, after when COVID hit, we weren't able to answer those questions live like we used yeah. to because people, unfortunately, were, were uh, saying some rude comments and asking rude questions to the guest or host. So they said, you know, we can't do this. But what the, what's, what's really nice is the producer will send me the questions and then I'll send them to the person and they'll answer They'll answer them back and then I'll answer them on, on the following show. Okay. Because there's now just the, two things. The knowledge is that the, the listener is uh, being acknowledged, basically. Yep. Uh, and also the, the uh, guest knows how much of an impact they've had because I had a, a whole slew of questions and people answer them. It's a, it's a really good feeling. I'm glad I'm able to give back that way. That's nice. And, and it's, uh, it's just uh, – this show has just – it's changed my life because I can see the other side of what other people are going through. And it just draws more empathy from me. And, I, and, and, and after the show is over, we just look at each other and says, wow, that was the most intense uh, hour I've ever had. That's awesome. And it's just, it's just, a, um, I mean, we just smile and then we laugh and, and, uh, and, uh, I've had one guest who's been on three times and then we, he's from all across the country and there in, in Washington and we talk all the time and, uh, you can't replace that. No, you can't, you can't. replace. It. It's so. It, eh. I feel like it, um, the the medium offers a a new kind of connection with people who physically we you know we're just not gonna gonna meet. Not a loss for words for what I'm trying to express, but yeah. No, I understand. I yeah. mean, what's what what really blown me away is I decided I'm trying to uh, um, make a sponsor package, yeah. and I asked my guests to send testimonials so I can put them on the sponsor package, and then I'm trying to create my my web website and I'm put them on there. Yeah. And what they've written to me. I am truly humbled Yeah. by what they wrote about me. That's awesome. You know, and it's just, what's your, what, I, I just feel like, you know. What's your favorite good. comment? Like, or what, what, there's probably the one comment that touches you the most that validated all the struggle up to now. Is there someone who, I don't know, you can just always recall when you have that, that look back moment. Yeah, here's one. Um, I had the pleasure of being interviewed by Tom Russell on his radio show, Life Without Limits. We spoke about the effects of being raised by a mother who is a narcissist and the psychological effects that has on one's development and the dynamic within the family. Tom is a great interviewer. He is prepared and organized with professionalism second to none and an empathy for all our stories. It's so important that we share our stories with each other because this is how we create global healing. In this day of age of covid in our changing world where so many are trapped at home, unable to travel to see loved ones, the importance of hearing another's voice and the real human stories that Tom brings to this show with the amazing people he interviews touch our hearts and minds and souls. And it is this real connection that is so important as communication is so vital to our survival. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Tom. It was a real pleasure. That's awesome. And that kind of runs across the board. I've, yeah. I've had about I've had about 100 shows, and I've had 40 people write testimonials. Can you believe that? 40 people. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and That's a connection, man. 
and it's just the, the love that I have for the people is is different. I, I just um, it's just that connection. I, these are people from all across the world. I've had people from Australia, Netherlands, Switzerland, Netherlands, the UK, um, Germany. I've had I've had a, just a, uh, so many different people. All and you, you learn about what's going on elsewhere. And the, the theme is this: uh, the, the world is big, but at the same time, it's it's a lot smaller. Where everyone is going through their own challenges in their lives, it's comforting to know that that 50 minutes that I have this show, that it's just that person and me talking to each other, learning about each other, and, and having them tell their story. And it's just it's an incredible uh, sereneness to the conversation. Yeah, you know, because we look at each other and we just talk to each other. And that's, you can't replace that. You no. just can't replace that. And, uh, um, and I, I'm, I'm a work in progress because I'm not perfect. I, I'm not a perfect host, um, but um, I'm authentic. Yeah, I'm you as are. Authentic as, as you're going to get because that's, that's who I am. And what's really interesting about where I am at this point, it's, it, it, it comes full circle to a certain point. Because my life started when I was 52. I mean, I'm 59 years old. So seven years of total progression. And each time, I kind of feel like uh, that my time is limited. And I don't like saying that. I know I'm, not, I'm not a fatalist. I'm, I don't think about that. But I understand that the, the, the more I do now, yeah, affecting and impacting people's lives, uh, I may not be able to do that later on down the road. Yeah. But I want to I capture that gusto. I want to capture that feeling <clears throat> and give it out to people as, as much as I can because I don't know what's going to happen next. And when I when I made that decision at 52, and I got the book done, my thought process was, was what's next? Yeah, good. Okay, I finished this. What's next? And you have to ask that question before you get to that point. When I, when I finish this, what are you going to do next? And you got to plan for it because what do they say? If you fail to plan, or you plan to fail, you fail to plan. Yep. Yeah. Um, you fail because it's always that what's next. And you got to think about man, you know, if this does not come through, plan B. Uh, if you feel like you've reached a pinnacle, that's where you start to tumble because that's where the self-doubt, that's where the lack of belief comes in because you've hit that obstacle. You're not going to find a true north anymore because you, you hit that obstacle. You drove toward that obstacle and say, this is where I'm going to end up This yeah. is, and I'm not going anywhere else. And so you got to find your path back. And the dreams are whatever your dreams are. Yeah. And if it's not big enough for you, either find a different dream or make it more specific, more detailed. This is exactly what I want because one thing I read, I heard somewhere in a YouTube video was this. A lot of people do make uh, decisions in their life. I decided to do this. I decided to lose weight. I decided to exercise. I decided to um, do something different. And that's where it ends. Here's what, what you have to do. When you decide to do something, you say, I decided to lose weight because – you got to find out what you because you got to find out your why. I decided yep. to lose weight because of this, and then when you focus on the because rather than deciding to do it, because that's where because you know you can decide to like she and like she said in the video was, I decided to not buy something in the grocery store and not put it on the counter there. Yes. Uh, if if you don't take it off, it means you didn't really you didn't really change anything. You decided to do it right. Yeah. If that makes any sense, basically. I get it. You have to actually do the action to do that. I have to decide to take that one extra thing off, and that's a simplified version of what that is. But if you if you don't have that because you don't have that why, that it's going to stagnate. That that whole idea about wanting to do something, 
over and over again and and just letting sit there. I did that for decades. I got so sick of myself doing that. And and it felt like I'm so it's such a powerful feeling of freedom to know that the sky's the limit for me. And I don't put age on anything anymore. Yep. Because when when a lot of people reach 52, it says, "Well, I'm done. I can't do it. Who's gonna Who's gonna want to know what I'm gonna do at 52? Uh, uh-uh. that, that that ended at 52. Yeah. And it's it's really it's freaky that I can actually come to that point in my life where I'm not going to let age stop me, not let myself stop me. Yeah, get out of your uh, own way. And I got out of my own way, man. Yeah. I just I just moved on, and it's what a powerful powerful feeling that is yeah i feel age being a, a limiting factor is is an old world thought i don't know until your body gives up on you uh you're, you're it's not over till till you decide and that's that's great i mean yeah. you need to do that because yeah. how many times you hear people who who retire and don't do anything they do business squad and their life expectancy just they just die yeah you yeah. know no. um and what's nice about radio is it doesn't require physical effort you know <laughs> what's interesting is if i can't do a show they'll they'll run another show and loop so if I if I'm gone, oh yeah, uh, if I'm if I'm gone and dead, they're just gonna continue running shows, and then people won't know if I'm alive or dead anymore. The the show is live at yeah. nine 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 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Mondays, every Monday. Yeah, I, I publish it on all these different platforms: iHeartRadio, it's on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, uh, Audible, it's on Audible. Yeah, you can. Uh, listen to my show 24-7 at any time that you want. Of course, it's live. I mean, it's on YouTube, and you're looking at yourself, and there it goes. Yeah. There's self-deprecating things. Is my nose, you know, when I was a kid, and I didn't tell you this. reason why, one of the reasons I, in the book, you know, yeah. where he talks about his nose. Yeah, you're making fun of it. Because yeah. these are what I actually said to me when I was in middle school was, your nose needs its own zip code. You know, you get Pinocchio competition, or your nose arrives in the room five minutes before you do. And so I felt my nose defined me. And so when I look at myself on YouTube, guess what? Yeah, you yeah, see your nose first. Yeah. I, I look at it. Yeah. I look at it. But but it's a different feeling now. It's just, I know what's inside of me is more important than what that people see what I see outside of me. And, well, and pe- people look at that. I've been staring at your face for an hour, man, and it never crossed my mind once. So Well, exactly. Like, because I tell the kids that when I yeah. – well, when I speak to kids, I say, I, you know, I told tell them about that scenario, what happened to me. I said, raise your hands if anybody thought I had a big nose. Never anybody. No. Never kid, no no adult. Um, no one really wants to admit it, obviously. They don't want to, hey, yeah, you got a huge nose. You're a snonker. Well, um, goes <laughs> against the, the point you're trying to make and the adult. Yeah, and I <laughs> said, see, it, it doesn't really matter what, yeah. you, what you look at. It's what you have inside and what you impart to. And with these five-star kids that we work with, that's yeah. the same exact thing that they go through. They yeah. don't, um, you know, they have these certain uh, uh, idiosyncrasies that they have about themselves, whether it's physical or, or emotional or whatever. Yeah. They focus on that. And so we try to dr- drain that from them. We try to say, no, no, this is who you really are. This is who you really can be. This is your poten- potential. You have to take your eyes off yourself and then start talking to other people, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, when you're a coach, I've been doing this for 14 years now. Um, we, I've learned so much about these kids that um, they don't have a lot of times they don't have somebody who is offering this kind of encouragement to yeah. kids that they and so that's what we're there for and they they connect with us and it takes a little bit of trust obviously because when they're t- constantly beat down either in their 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 homes or, or they're in school 
you know, trying to gain that trust with, with a, a kid, it take, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but we're there every week, yeah. and they know our intentions are true, our hearts are true, and that we really care about what's going on in their life. Oh. And, man, that's just powerful. And when you see the transformation of these kids, that's the most incredible thing to witness is because they're here. They're at a level below that their expectations are, their own personal expectations. We just put them well above where they, where they ever thought they could be. Um, all right. I guess we should wrap this up. Uh, the other yeah, fellow yeah, gave okay. me a call. And then, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's no, whatever. I was having a good time. I thought, I, I feel like we just started <laughs> like at this point. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, it, yeah. Would you like to, to try and talk again sometime? Uh, so the, the, the link is uh, amazon.com backslash author backslash T.A. Russell 89. Okay. Is there um, a better way like where you get a, a greater share of the, the cut? That people could go to to get your books. No, no, no. unfortunately, um, that's the best. Way. I wish there, I wish there yeah. were, um, but that's the only way that I can uh, uh, really have any kind of idea. Um, yeah, how it's going. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I get a better cut if I sell. I, I sell it to these people directly. Yeah. Um, but if they if people want to sign copy, my my email address is tarbooks2323 at gmail.com. Okay. So if they are interested in, in connecting with me to see if I can send them the book. All right. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of another episode. I appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating. And if you haven't already, please suggest it to a friend. Have a great evening. And I'm looking forward to what's coming up next time.